You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. We have been tracking through the Gospel of John all this year. And we get to a point today, we're going to look at, for the next four weeks, our focus is going to be on prayer Um, And know this, that prayer is powerful, prayer is supernatural, prayer is the divine right of every child of God. Additionally, you need to know that there are two realms in play in our lives. There is the physical world we see, there is the spiritual world we don't see. There is this natural world that we live in and the supernatural world that God lives in. And when we do things like read the Bible... We're inviting the supernatural into the natural. We're inviting God into our life and legacy. When we worship, we're inviting God in his presence and power into our midst. When we pray, we are reaching from the natural to the supernatural. And again, inviting God in, trying to take hold of the one who has taken hold of us and that we are welcoming him into the life that he has entrusted to us. So prayer is supernatural. It is a connecting point between the world in which we see and the world that we do not see. And today we begin this four-week focus on prayer because that's what we want to do when we get to this chapter in John. It's John chapter 17 where Jesus prayed. And it's the longest recorded prayer of Jesus in the entire Bible. It's John chapter 17. We're going to look at just the first five verses today where Jesus prayed for himself, which is modeling for us that we can pray for ourselves. Look, we've all got needs. God knows that you have needs. And when we pray, something supernatural happens. Some of you may not know anything about prayer. That's okay. We're glad you're here. Some of you may know a little bit about prayer. And some of you may be seasoned saints and have a vibrant prayer life, but we all have to start somewhere. And did you know that prayer doesn't have to be just ritualized, rote prayers? Uh, Chances are we all prayed rote prayers as kids. Now I lay me down to sleep. Does that... Ring a bell for anybody? This is not your invitation to go to sleep. Just saying. Or or maybe at mealtimes, what was it? God is great. God is good. Okay. But then what happens is that you mature in your faith. And you grow to discover that prayer can be conversational between you and God. It can be personal. And if you don't know how to pray, it's okay. You'll learn. You hear others pray. And when you hear others pray, you Start to learn how to pray. And today, you're going to hear Jesus pray. We're going to hear, we're going to listen to Jesus Christ, God on the earth, praying. A couple more things before we dive in. This prayer is only recorded in John's gospel. So had John not recorded it for us, we wouldn't know of this prayer. Additionally, if Jesus needed to pray... You and I need to pray. 
Another thing, if Jesus didn't feel bad about asking things for himself, then you and I shouldn't feel bad about asking for our own needs. And finally, prayer is how we build our relationship with God and others. So you want to have a great relationship with God? It starts in prayer. You want to have a great relationship with others? It starts in prayer. You want to improve your relationship with your spouse? You pray with and for your spouse. You want to improve your relationship with your kids? You pray with and for your kids. In prayer, we are inviting God into those relationships. And here, Jesus is going to pray publicly, openly, as an example that how prayer encourages and empowers a relationship with God and all other relationships. So we're going to go to John chapter 17, and in this first section of Jesus' prayer, it's the section in which he prays for himself, and it sets for us an example that we can pray for ourselves. Here's how John 17 opens. After Jesus said this, well, what we saw last week is what Jesus was talking about is that he is telling his disciples he's going to leave. He's preparing them for his departure by way of the cross. But he's assuring them that the Holy Spirit is going to come and continue to be with them. So after Jesus said this, he looked toward where? Heaven. Because that's where he came from. Jesus is God come down to earth. Now, let me tell you this. There are only two ways to live your life you either live your life kingdom down or you live it culture up. You see, this world is not our home. This world is broken and fallen. And so sin has infected and affected everyone and any and everything in this world. This world is broken and needs healing. This world is cursed and needs forgiveness. This world is fading and needs to be restored. And when we look up in prayer, we are reminding ourselves of who God is and where our true citizenship lies. You need to know that this world isn't working and it won't work unless the kingdom comes down. We pray that in the Lord's Prayer, don't we? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Let me make this as clear as possible, though. In addition to God, there is Satan. In addition to angels, there are demons. And when we worship, when we pray, we are inviting into our lives that unseen spiritual world. So it matters greatly to whom you are praying and what you're inviting in. While we, will we invite heaven down into our lives or will we pull hell up into our lives? While you and I are on this earth, we are in this great battle. And when you choose unforgiveness, you choose bitterness or you choose temptations and lies and false spirituality, you're pulling hell up into your life. For some of you, that explains why you're tormented. For some of you, that is why it feels like you're living in darkness because you've brought these things into your life. What does Jesus do in his prayer? He doesn't look to the side. That would be a distraction if you're looking around. 
Sometimes what happens is you look to the past with regret or you look to the future with fear. Instead, claim this day as the day you start looking up. You see, the kingdom of God is a place of light, not dark. A place of love, not hatred. A place of forgiveness, not bitterness. A place of freedom, not slavery. That when I, in prayer, invite the king, his name is Jesus, and his kingdom into my life, something amazing happens. And as we continue, you've got to know that the word of God is so powerful that just one word changes everything. How does Jesus start his prayer? Again, this is verse 1. He looked up toward heaven and he prayed, Father. When asked elsewhere, hey, to teach us how to pray, Jesus said, well, pray this way. Our Father. See, prayer starts by getting to know God as Father. Father. That's a relational term. It's a personal term. It's an intimate term. Up until this time, up until the time of Jesus, no major emphasis was placed on understanding God as Father in any religion. They would say that God is distant, cruel, mean, impersonal. And yet Father is Jesus' favorite title that he's going to use. Over 165 times in the Gospels is the word Father. Some people will have a hard time with this because our view is based on a projection or a rejection of our earthly father. If that's the case for you, I have good news for you. If you have no father, you do have a father now. If you had a bad father, I have good news for you. You have a good father now. If you had a father who abused you, I have good news for you. You now have a father who will never harm you. If you had a father that abandoned you, I have good news for you. You now have a father who will never leave you nor forsake you. If you had a good dad, congratulations, you're doubly blessed. You had a loving father on earth and a loving father in heaven. How many of you men are fathers or grandfathers? And how do you feel about your kids, your grandkids? You love them. You care for them. You're concerned for them. You work and labor for their well-being. You provide for their needs. You protect them from harm. That's the father heart of God toward his children. And if you are a child of God, God is devoted to you. His ear is inclined to you. His heart is open perfectly for you. I need you to know you're not an orphan. You're a child of God. You do not have to live on your own. You have a dad who loves you and cares for you. Think of it this way. Did you have to teach your kids to come to you? Did you have to teach your kids to ask things of you? No, they just kind of figured it out on their own, don't they? And here's why. If you love them, they will come to you. If you love them, they will want to talk to you. God is a father. And prayer 
ultimately is talking to your dad. So if you struggle with prayer, don't focus on prayer. Focus on getting to know God as your father. Once you know who your dad is, you talk to him, you run to him. Once you know how powerful your dad is, you will make requests of him. And God answers every prayer in one of three ways. Yes, no, not yet. You say, I prayed it didn't work. God didn't answer. He did. The answer was no or later. Parents, if you love your child, have you ever had to say no to them? All right, next point about prayer. Prayer is to prepare ourselves for big things. Jesus prays, Father, the hour has come. You know, every day is important, but some days just seem extra important. You've got a big decision to make, a big obstacle to overcome, a big lesson to learn. Some days are crucial. There's a fork in the road, and there are big consequences if you choose poorly. Jesus, when he is praying this prayer, is in the last days of his life. He is just hours away from his crucifixion. This is the biggest event in the history of the world, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Father who sent Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Jesus is going to have Satan against him. He's going to have demons against him. He's going to have a mob against him. And what does Jesus do? He stops and he prays. You see, the bigger it is, the more you need to pray. If you're facing an obstacle, a struggle, some major issue is staring you in the face, sometimes God is going to get you around it. Most times, you're going to have to go through it. And that's when you need to pray. Okay, Father, we're going to go through this, aren't we? <laughs> then I'm going to need your help. How do I deal with this? Next, praying, one of the purposes of praying is to glorify God by exercising your authority. I'll explain that in a second. Jesus continues his prayer when he says, glorify your son that your son may glorify you. What Jesus is saying is that he and the father are co-equal, co-eternal. He says, for you granted him authority, he's speaking of himself, over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. How do you glorify God the same way Jesus did? By exercising your authority. Jesus has just told us who he is. He is the son of God. That's his identity. He is also going to tell us that he gives eternal life. So he is the savior. He is also God, creator, God, and he has authority over all. That means there is no place that Jesus doesn't rule over. There is no person that Jesus isn't Lord over. There is no authority that is equal to Jesus's authority. The name of Jesus is the strongest name. The name of Jesus is the truest name. The name of Jesus is the most powerful name that ever was 
can be or ever will be declared. In the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. No one is like Jesus. He has authority and power even over death and the grave. And you share his authority. This is crucial for you to understand. You know how many times in the New Testament that we believers are referred to as Christians? Three times. But over 200 times, mostly by the Apostle Paul, we are referred to as being in him, in Christ, in the Lord. You see, that's your identity. Our culture talks a lot about identity in terms of self-love, self-esteem, self-awareness. You've got to be true to yourself, we hear. The problem with that is that it puts self at the center. As is as if everything else and everyone else revolves around you, your life, your existence, and that's not the truth. Your identity is found in relation to God. Your identity is something God gives you by virtue of you believing in Jesus Christ. If you belong to Jesus, you are a child of God. Let me share with you one verse from Ephesians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul writes, And God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. What that means is when you die, you will rise and you will be seated with Christ in heaven. The Bible says we will even judge the angels. So that means available to you is the authority and power of Jesus Christ. So when temptation comes, exercise your authority. Stop and pray and say no to sin and yes to God. And when you do this, you invite heaven down instead of pulling hell up. And it's you saying, no, I am a child of God. I am loved by the Father. I am a new creation in Christ. And remember, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul writes that in Romans 8.1. That means that there is no power against me that is stronger than the power of God that is in me and for me. Now, all that being said, exercise your authority humbly because one of the devil's tricks is pride. You see, it's not in my name that I tell Satan no. It's not with my power. It's with Jesus' power and authority. So stop. Remind yourself who God is. Remind yourself who you are. You're a child of God. And then you will glorify not yourself, but God. The next purpose of prayer is to live in light of eternity. Jesus goes on with his prayer. and He says, now this is is eternal life. Okay, so what's eternal life? You're going to see. It's a relationship. Here is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is knowing 
God the Father through Jesus Christ. Eternal life is relational. It's loving. It's personal. And you need to know eternal life does not begin the day you die. Eternal life begins the day you meet Jesus. The most important thing you have in this life is your relationship with God. You will not take your car to heaven. You will not take your house to heaven. You will not take your resume to heaven. You will take your relationship with God and your relationships with God's people. You see, God is in the process of making a family. We'll hear more about that next week. He's a dad, and he wants you to be his kid. And then, about prayer, it's to clarify God's will for you. Here's more of Jesus' prayer. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. This is a crazy statement from Jesus. He says, I knew what to do and I did it. How many of you could say that about anything in the last few months? I knew what to do and I did it. Usually it's, I didn't know what to do. Or I knew what to do, but I didn't do it. To walk in God's will is to know what to do and then do it. Here's how it works. You've got to stop and pray Talk to God, listen to God, and then do what God is telling you to do. Well, how do you listen to God? How do you know what he's trying to tell you? You start with scripture, the word of God. This means you're going to need to say no to certain things. You can say yes to God things. You know, Jesus healed people, but not everyone. Jesus did miracles. But not every day. There were some moments of the day he just wanted to be alone with the Father, commune with him. There are some days he simply wanted to rest. You need to ask, God, what do I need to say no to so I can say yes to? Because you have limited time, you have limited money, you have limited energy, so you want to invest your life wisely. You don't want to waste your life recklessly. So how do I know the will of God? Primarily through reading God's word and through prayer. And then wise counsel from godly people who will pray with you and they themselves know the word of God. And let me tell you, when you know the will of God, you will have the courage which is supernatural. So don't settle for less than God's best for you. And lastly, the thing about prayer is that we get to experience God's presence. That's what prayer is about. Here's how Jesus concludes this section. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. You see, the Father and the Son live in constant, eternal union and communion. And the Lord Jesus gives us insight into the character and nature of that relationship. How is Jesus going to glorify God? By being in the presence of the Father. 
here's what's amazing. When Jesus was in heaven, he was right there in the presence of the Father. When Jesus came down to earth, he's still in the presence of the Father. When Jesus goes to the grave, he's still in the presence of the Father. He knew that that relationship was secure. He knew that the Father was with him. Jesus is now seated in heaven, and one day you will see him by sight. You will be in the presence of God, but in the meantime, you're still in the presence of God. You're not abandoned. And prayer is where we take the hand of God and we walk with him. And that's good news because you're never alone. God the Father promises his presence is with you. Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And the Holy Spirit that is in you, that's the presence of God with you. So the presence of God is in you so that you can always have the presence of God with you. Let me close with this admonition. We need to bathe our lives and our families in prayer to bring them into the presence of God. We need to saturate our church with prayer to bring it into the presence of God always. This week, we're praying for ourselves. So today, tell God what you need. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.